this is Once More with Commentary, a Buffy podcast. Yay. I'm Ginny. I'm Allie. And uh, this week, I think we're going to finally, we're finally getting into the show. I say finally, it's only been one other episode. <laughs> hey, but, but the movie uh, was like forever, like... It was a little yeah. bit arduous, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so this week we're going to talk about the first two episodes of season one, uh, Welcome to the Hellmouth and The Harvest. Uh, and we're going to also just kind of talk some more about how we got into Buffy and lots of other thoughts that we had while we watched these episodes. Yeah, so I think first, right off the bat, I want to talk about how last time I didn't remember the name of the pilot episode. <laughs> but I forgot a lot of stuff. The second one is called The Harvest, so I wasn't totally yes. off base, but Welcome Correct. to the Hellmouth, obviously, is number one, and I can't yeah. believe I completely forgot about that. Yeah. Um, so we did cover it a little bit in the last one, but I think you want to tell us again how you got into Buffy. I'm curious what your first impressions were when you first watched it. You well, you know, I think I was thirteen, so mm-hmm. um, favorable <laughs> because okay. it was three season three at that point. So, which is yeah. pretty much a the best. The well, best I don't season. know. Well, we don't talk about that, but okay, <laughs> I don't know about well, that. It um, it but it's certainly is. a high point oh, of the series. So, oh. um, well, and maybe after this, we could talk about our favorite seasons. <laughs> um, yeah. I didn't know we were going to have to fight about that. I thought we agreed. I don't remember what my favorite season... Well... Uh, Okay. Okay. But getting into Buffy... 13-year-old Allie watching Buffy. 13-year-old Allie, like, loved it. And then... Mm -hmm. um, Remember, I was talking about last time um, that I watched some of season one on VHS. And I actually, (laughs) watching these two episodes, had, like, very clear memories of watching these episodes on VHS as well. So I wonder if I eventually got the entire first season um, Mm -hmm. rented from the video store. Hmm. But yeah, I, you know, I got into it, you know, probably middle school, um, kept watching through high school before it ended. And I mean, I was all about the show. It was great. I remember um, when it switched to UPN and I finally had access to watching it regularly, like I would VH, I would like record Buffy oh. <laughs> while watching Gilmore Girls because they aired Funny. at the same time. But like, yeah. I was very committed to watching both of these shows, That's and so funny. Buffy got recorded, and I would watch it at nine o'clock right after it aired. Hmm. That's really funny. Ah, yeah. um, uh, the days when you could just record things onto VHS. Well, it was a really big deal because we had one VCR in the house that could mm-hmm. record while you were watching another channel. Because that was cool. like very like a very technologically advanced v- v- VCR. Yeah. <laughs> We used to do it, and my dad had a TV in the garage because he did a lot of work in the garage all the time, and it, that had a recorder. So we'd like watch a show in the main living room and then record something else in the garage. <laughs> I don't remember what we were recording all the time. So I know, um, I know friends at one point. How did you anyway. get into Buffy, Jenny? <laughs> you just like this to hear this because it makes you look good. I mean, maybe. yes. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, you introduced me to Buffy when we were uh, seniors in college. Uh, it's funny, though, because I... I didn't love it right away. I think uh, my first impressions were, I think distinctly, in fact, was, why are they talking like this? <laughs> because at the time, it sounded so weird to me, just the way that Joss Whedon writes dialogue. But it's so funny now. Like, I try to hear it, and I can't even tell. Like, it just sounds so normal to me. I think partially because I've watched Buffy 100,000 times, but also just because, like, that style of dialogue became really pervasive. Well, it did, and so you know. that's the other thing I was going to say is the problem with recognition of that now is, like, mm-hmm. I think I talk like that because right. I, I think <laughs> exactly. it's ruined my speech patterns for life. Totally. Like, I watched yeah. this show and so many that came after kind of emulating it. Like, it's he's yeah. really done a lot to 
sort of change linguistics mm-hmm. in a well, I mean, in an arguably not that, like yeah. great way. Maybe sometimes I wonder <laughs> like how intelligent I, I really sound when I'm saying oh. weird made up words. But oh, it doesn't matter. Yeah, Shakespeare made up words. It's fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do. I do remember that was the thing that the most made the show seem really cheesy to me. Like not so much the special effects, which were obviously a lot of them are dated or look a little bit weird now, but um, I think it was mostly that, being like, why are they talking like that? I don't get it. <laughs> but eventually, obviously, I grew to love it. Um, well, and I think I didn't start you with season one. You didn't? We wa- we definitely watched Hush first, I think. But then I did walk in on... I, I, I watched one or two episodes of season one, I think, and then a couple of... I started somewhere in the middle of season two and then went from there. Hush was the first um, episode that I showed you? I remember that being the first one you talked about. Oh, I feel like that was a, that's, I mean, that's the thing that people often do too, is they're like, you should watch Hush because it's such a great episode of TV, which it is. But I think that was one of the first ones we watched. I think that might be because Hush is probably one of my favorite episodes Mm -hmm. of the show. Well, I think you were also trying to get me into it. And so you wanted to show us a good episode. Like something cool that they did that no one else had done. Right. Because I mean, we also often talk about why... I mean, I often recommend that people start with season two instead of season one. So I think you were going, you had that in mind. Don't show me these low production value kind of weird episodes. Well, and maybe I just explained, like, you can start here. Just all you have to Mm -hmm. know is she fought this old vampire. And now she's really, like, you know, kind of in a bad mood. Um, Okay, so, but the first two episodes, Mm -hmm. so these were way more fun to watch than they um, were the I right away was like this is great <laughs> it yeah. was like putting on a security blanket so should we do like a brief episode rundown um yeah yeah so these two originally aired together um mm-hmm. which you can tell if you watch them separately now there's this weird to be continued at the end of welcome to the Ends on a cliffhanger yeah <laughs> um so you know I can read you the synopses that I have in my little chosen collection booklet Okay. Um, well, they're, they're, it's, they're not as bad as Netflix synopses where, oh. you know, you, you read it and you're like, did the person writing this even watch the episode? Because mm-hmm. sometimes they're just way out of left field. Um, but basically, um, well, I don't have to read them, but the gist is that Buffy is a new, she's now a sophomore, no longer a mm-hmm. senior. She's mm-hmm. aged backwards two years since the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, she yeah. transfers to Sunnydale uh, with her mom to make a fresh like start. All- Somewhere in Southern California. Yes. Well, she says it's two hours on the freeway from Neiman Marcus. So <laughs> okay, well, that's the middle not of nowhere. <laughs> um, and she moves with her mom because the implication is that they had to move because Buffy got expelled from Hemery right. in the aftermath of the crazy oh, dance no. that mm-hmm. we witnessed in the movie. Um, now, though, with the added um, story that she burned down the gym. Because right. it was crawling with asbestos. Right. <laughs> and uh, so she thinks she's getting a fresh start in this new town. But right. unbeknownst to her, the new right. school librarian is her new watcher. And mm-hmm. he's very right excited away. that she's moved to town and, like, shoves a book of vampire lore in her face. And, and she runs away. Vampire. <laughs> yeah. Like, she's like, I don't want that. Yeah. Um, but pretty soon dead bodies pop up. And she realizes she's got to deal with this vampire problem mm-hmm. even here. Mm-hmm. She, I think she also just kind of instinctually falls into it. I mean, she's telling herself that she wants nothing to do with it, but she right. does have a calling, she, so she... As soon as somebody says there's a dead body, she's like, how did he die? <laughs> right, and also she's immediately like, I'm the only person who can handle this. So right. um, she's definitely not as 
out of it as she says she is. Mm-hmm. Um, but she meets new friends, yeah. uh, Xander and Willow. And? Oh, and Jesse. I always forget about Jesse. Poor Jesse. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> um, technically, she dies. meets three new friends, but she most yes. importantly meets Xander and Willow. Yes. And um, Jesse and Willow get lured into this trap by vampires, and Jesse gets mm-hmm. kidnapped. And mm-hmm. then they figure out that this big mystical event is about to happen. Uh, because Angel because Angel's her. Angel's first appearance, uh-huh. he shows up and tells her that she's on the mouth of hell, which mm-hmm. apparently Giles didn't know ahead of time. I know I, that's another thing that kind of was surprising to me. I was like, oh, I thought they always knew Sunnydale was the hell mouth. Well, but like that's the thing. It's these like two episodes. It's like a big reveal. Oh, why is there all this mystical energy? Because he's oh, implying to her yeah. that like, you know, her mother didn't just randomly choose this town. Like she was lured there with a job offer because they wanted to mm-hmm. get Buffy there and then they'd sent Giles there. And mm-hmm. so there seems to be this idea that the watchers knew about that makes sense, like though, something I happening, think. but maybe they didn't know that it was a hellmouth. They just knew that there was a convergence of mystical energy that needed investigation. I, suppose. I mean, I feel like the way that they depict the watchers group, the council later, they totally would have hidden that information from them. Right. But, but that's my as there. of this episode, we have one watcher right. Um, right. who doesn't really seem to know very much. So. He, does, he does seem a little bit hapless. Yeah. Oh, Giles. So they but all so band together to go stop this mystical event called The Harvest mm-hmm. from happening, mm-hmm. um, which the whole event is to raise the master who is this. He's been trapped underground for 60 oh, years. But see, that's the thing. Only 60 years. And he makes it sound that's like what, it's been hundreds. See, that's what said yesterday I was watching it with two people yesterday and she was like only 60 years I was like man 60 years is a long time well he says it like three score years and then I kind of sat back and I went wait a second a score is 20 years that's only 60 years (laughs) we're doing the exact same thing yeah that's funny but they did line it up they did do their math correctly because also later they Willow discovers like there had been a really terrible uh earthquake in 1937 yeah did everyone in this town like move here recently because that seemed like new information to Willow and I would think if the earthquake swallowed half the town that would be part of town lore that you would just kind of know like living in San Francisco everyone knows there was a huge earthquake at the turn of the last century right but Hmm. you know let's cut them some slack okay but also maybe people don't stick around Sunnydale that long because people are always dying I mean that could be something that they just didn't mention yeah um so yeah, that's basically that's it. That's my really horrible summary of the episode. No, that was good. <laughs> you got us through there. You skipped over all the fun times that they have the bronze. Well, we could talk about that. Okay. Yeah. There were fun times. That's right. Their little all-ages club. Their all-ages club. With live punk or whatever music was playing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what did Cordelia say? She said they let anybody in, but it's the only but place to go, and mm-hmm. it's in the bad part, in the of, bad town, part of town, which is like half a block from the good part of town, because <laughs> they don't have a lot of town. Yeah. I apparently have memorized all of her dialogue. Yep. So. I, yeah. Ugh, that's because it's great dialogue. Cordelia is see, like, becoming my favorite. Every time I rewatch the, season, the I series, I'm like, I kind of made a note to myself you. that I did not remember her being this funny. But <laughs> she's so great right off the bat. She's just amazing. Like, Charisma Carpenter right off the bat has that mm-hmm. character, like, dialed in. I mean, really, almost everybody. Well, okay. So I, I do want to talk about the first scene. Okay. The very, very oh, opening scene. Yes. Because it's just perfect. Well, it's uh, it's exactly like this whole idea that he says where, right. remember the idea of this show is like, what if she can fight back or what if she's the monster, like this mm-hmm. blonde girl and like mm-hmm. this scene later, is that yeah. personified. Like It is. And it's so like, it's really creepy. It's really slow. It's so dark. Like it could totally be the opening scene to a horror movie. 
but then, you know, he, it's just enough that, like, it's actually this, like, sort of, you know, it's a comedic, campy show on TV. Um, but, oh, man, it's great. It's also just such a, like, I, I do really think, I always talk about how season one is kind of bad, but this is a really great pilot. Like, it really establishes everything you need to know. It's not something that you look back on later and it's totally inconsistent with the rest of the show. But yeah, especially this opening scene is it like, it, ex- it explains everything you need to know about this universe, which is that things are going to get turned on their head. And, um, that's, that's what I've got. No, but also, it, I mean, and this will come into play later and sorry guys, 20 year old spoilers here, but mm-hmm. I mean, the introduction of Darla in the first scene and right. in this episode, I don't even know if she has a name, but she may No, she did. I think she, she told Jesse yeah, her name. She, yeah. yeah. But Darla is one of these important vampires in the mythology of Mm -hmm. Buffy and the Angel Universe. And just to have her be in the first scene, and then maybe they didn't know eventually that that would be the case. Yeah, they definitely didn't. But (laughs) Julie Benz, I mean, great. So use her when you can. But, like, just that, like, she's doing the perfect, like, scared high school girl. And then to turn around and she's the one that's going to eat you. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. I love the first scene. Especially while, yeah, that guy is being very creepy. I mean, he was definitely going to take her up on the roof and, like... Totally. ...not maybe ask for permission. Yeah. Um, I just had another thought, but it flew out of my head. Anyway, I like that scene. Oh, I know what I was going to say. It's funny, too. I was thinking about... I wonder when people were watching the show for the first time, you would probably have assumed that she was Buffy also. You could have. Yeah. Yeah. So I think he sets it up really well for, like, probably something about this isn't what it seems, but at the end, when she turns out to be the vampire, it's like, oh... Well, especially because Darla's dressed like a schoolgirl. Right. So. As she often is. (laughs) Yeah. So she looks like she could be a cheerleader, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's our opening scene. And then, then we see Buffy and she's dreaming. Mm -hmm. She's, I mean, this is one of the rare instances, I think, where they actually um, use this prophetic dreaming Mm -hmm. device where that's supposed to be one of her slayer powers is she has Mm -hmm. these dreams. Um, And she's basically dreaming the entire events of the opening credits so right. they were like oh that that sequence works for opening credits and also we'll just let Buffy dream that too um like a lot of graveyards mm-hmm. um, maybe cutting some costs there yeah so she's having nightmares um and then and then the story gets going and oh it's so good yeah um so like what were your like, first impressions like watching this episode or these two episodes together like you know I mean, I was so relieved <laughs> to be watching this and not the movie. <laughs> um, is it just feels like I said, like it's so, it's just, I think these are really a tight, like pilot. I think the script is really well done. Like it just, it tells you everything you need to do. No, it's the right amount of exposition. All the characters get perfect introductions where like you totally understand who they are and who they will be in the show or at least for the, you know, the season. Um, yeah, it just it felt really good. You know, I did, and I don't know if it's because we just watched the movie, but I mm-hmm. there were notes of these first two episodes with Sarah Michelle Gellar's performance where I wondered if she watched the movie mm, because there were just a couple beats where she really sounded like Christy Swanson Buffy, hmm. um, like right after she meets Angel and she's telling Giles about him and she's like, I really didn't like him, and just mm-hmm. kind of the way she says that, like the way she delivers that line, I was like, huh, it's a little more like. Valley Girl, Buffy, yeah. than we we get used to, but right. Um, um, so th- I also had the impression, I, uh, I I know that the very first time, and actually the first several times that I watched season one, I was like, man, this production value is just horrendous. Like the it doesn't look right visually, it doesn't sound right. Uh, 
everything's a little bit floppy. The vampires look so weird. (laughs) You know, this, this time watching it, the only thing that is still bothering me is like the sound design. I think that's the thing that's like really making it feel dated to me. It wasn't so much the, I mean, I I thought the vampires were kind of scary. (laughs) They are. They just, they look better as the show goes on, but yeah, like less bumpy, I guess. I guess it's just, again, like I'm telling you, I can no longer hear the weird Whedon dialogue. I can no longer see the low production value of this, of this season. It's just vintage now. (laughs) It's just vintage. Yeah. So the characters Um, you were talking about, they'd get these great intros. Mm-hmm. So we first meet Xander, I guess, or yeah. well, really, we first meet Buffy's mom, right uh, in the car. In the oh car. my god, Buffy's mom! <laughs> also, is it only because I'm getting older that now I'm always like Joyce, poor Joyce? Like I'm right there with you. Well, she's trying or, so hard to be a, a good mom. mom. Like she's yeah. like she doesn't want to be over nurturing, right. but yet she loves that the school seems like a nurturing environment. Mm-hmm. And but like also, her daughter set a school on fire, so maybe she needs to set some boundaries. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. But so they've trying, moved to this new town know. because her daughter got expelled from her old school. Mm-hmm. And first night there, and Buffy's going out, and there's no question. It's just, oh, you're going out? Okay. Like, yeah. clearly, lax parenting has led to some of these issues. <laughs> well, I think it's mostly the Slayer thing. But, but, but Joyce could be you're forgiven right. for thinking that, but she doesn't that's really true. seem to be course correcting very well. Right, right, right. I just really enjoyed it. Well, until she I just inconveniently grounds Buffy at the wrong time. Like, right. I love when Giles is like, we're too late. <laughs> She's like, I didn't know, know I was going to get grounded. grounded. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so then we see Xander on his skateboard, which doesn't really, he doesn't like skateboard a lot. No. Later. And he falls. Because he sees Buffy. Because he's a clumsy boy. Yeah. Who's kind of dorky, and he likes this hot girl that he sees walking down the street. I don't, yeah, you know, Xander, Xander. Yeah. That also feels pretty indicative of where he ends up, just in general. Perpetually lusting after Buffy. Lusting after Buffy, yeah. Yeah. And then Willow. Willow. She really, she's great in this episode. I mean, Alison Hannigan, I think, she was the first one where I really noticed, like, oh, you're you're a pretty good actress, like, when I first watched the show. But I really appreciated her. She's so earnest that it's really charming. Well, I think she just plays Willow with, like, this relentless cheerfulness that mm-hmm. is so great especially given like the darkness of everything around them but mm-hmm. she's just kind of so upbeat even in the face of like bullying from Cordelia and, right like she's right. just accepted that she doesn't care I guess about that stuff well, I think she does care but she does seem to handle it in stride right there is also that great part where she gets uh Cordelia to delete her program <laughs> I <laughs> love that scene so much like she just tells her deliver yeah and she hits delete. Oh, I love yeah. it. It's so clever. That is great. But also, P.S., like, did I did not have coding classes in high school. No, like, I had typing. How time was this? This is Sunnydale High School. I learned typing, and this is, like, 1997, and they're taking computer coding. Yeah. I'm really impressed. Yeah. Stupid Cordelia knows more about coding than I do now. Well, maybe in 1997, the computer software wasn't as advanced, so you had to learn how to do some I mean, of that That's stuff. a good point. I guess, like, even in DOS, you had to kind of... No commands. That was my assumption because mm. coding was not on offer at my high school. And I wish mm-hmm. it had been. That would have been mm-hmm. Me too. way more useful than some of the yeah. stuff we had to take. Um, yeah. Let's see who else. We, oh, we meet Cordelia. Well, and we meet Jesse. Oh, Jesse. Ah, he doesn't I already really get forgot much. about Jesse again. Yeah. <laughs> you, you keep forgetting about him. The only thing I want to say is that uh, that actor, Eric Balfour, mm. he, um, 
he's he's one of those guys again who's like he just shows up in a lot of stuff especially in the like 2000s he was in like every movie and every teen tv show but he um typically plays like a real asshole yeah and so it's kind of funny to watch him in this role be sort of like a a mini xander or like a second xander well he is um, until until he's well, not right, until he makes it so. turn. that's true that's probably why they cast him though but yeah he's like he's got this great run in six feet under where he's just this really horrible <laughs> he's just a real real horrible guy um but he's good at he's good at that. He looks really slimy. I also have this memory of him. I think there was an episode of Punked where mm. they punked Jessica Biel, mm-hmm. and I think that they're friends because okay. they were eating lunch during her punking. <laughs> I don't know why I remember that, but I do. <laughs> yeah, it is funny though because kind of the way you keep forgetting about Jesse, like they really never mention him again. No, like no. Theoretically, Beyond... he was their best friend. Like that he was the third in their trio before Buffy was, and they were just kind of like, yeah, whatever. Beyond episode two, Jesse never gets mentioned again. Yeah, yeah. Just so you know. Mm -hmm. Which is probably why I can't remember him. Exactly. Um, But yeah, Cordelia. Cordelia. She gets a great intro. They really set her up well, because the first thing that you see is her offering to share her book with Buffy in class. So you think she's nice? Yeah. I mean, in in a way, she is. (laughs) To Buffy. Sort of. Because Buffy's from L.A., and Mm -hmm. she quickly figures out that you know, they're not going to be friends because, mm-hmm. well, Buffy thinks Cordelia is awful and Cordelia mm-hmm. doesn't like being run at with a stake. So. Right. <laughs> Fair enough. They were doomed from the start. Yeah. Um, I do love the like coolness test that she gives Buffy. So that <laughs> test, I made some notes about that because okay. I think I know who John Tesh is, but I'm not sure. And no, I don't. According yeah. to Buffy the devil. Right. I meant to I look him looked up, it up. But I've looked it up before, too, and I forget. All right, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to look this up real quick. Also, it's, like, kind of a funny goof that they're, the first one she asks is about vamp nail polish. Yes, I think that was <laughs> probably intentional. Um, but also current at the time, contemporary. Yeah, Starbucks being... <laughs> Trendy but tasty. <laughs> <laughs> Christian Slater, I mean, that mm-hmm. alone is dating this. No, it's James Spader. Oh, James Spader? One. Christian Slater was from the movie. Wait, James Spader is. Cordelia asked her about that. Oh, Buffy says okay. He needs so this to is a variation me. on that question, I guess. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, apparently, John Tesh, John Tesh was an American pianist and composer of pop music, hmm. and he had a. Wait, no, he has a intelligence for your life since two thousand fourteen. So this is way too early. Hmm. But he's like. So not that. <laughs> let's see. This is early years. Is that going to be? Oh, he was on Entertainment Tonight, apparently? Hmm. Okay, so I don't know in what context... Um, he could be construed as the devil. Well, he's got a musical career, so... Okay. Who knows? All right. Either he was just Somebody supremely knows. uncool. I don't know. Okay. But I always wonder, sense. like, John Tesh is such an, an out-there reference. Mm-hmm. Um, um, also, Principal Flutie gets his little introduction. I love where he's like ripping up her transcript and then he <laughs> reads the transcript <laughs> and tapes it back together. Uh, and the I, look on her face is just like, yeah. oh, whoops. <laughs> yeah. No, he's he's sweet. I think, you know, um, I appreciate what they're trying to do with him, but, you know, he's also a little bit forgettable to me. Yeah. Um so those are, like, the main characters, I think. I mean, well, then we oh, meet... and Giles. Oh. <laughs> Giles, of course. Um, bumbling British Giles. Bumbling British Giles. I, I liked his intro because, again, he's so earnest and he thinks that 
she's just gonna be excited to be there instead she's totally like dismissive and and angry that he's even suggesting it I think that he has a much I I, I much prefer him well and to, so what's crazy to, to me though is like watcher. didn't anyone tell him her name because when he says Miss Summers right. like he knows that she's the slayer but then she's tells him no that's not what she's looking for and she leaves and he seems convinced that he somehow got it wrong right that doesn't make any sense well I guess it, yeah he didn't have a photo of her I don't know I guess but he knows her name like she confirmed that was her name that's a great point but uh, I guess he just was so thrown off because he expected you know every other slayer up until that point would know exactly who they were and what they're supposed to do and that she's being weird about it at all they both just seem he's just a little bit bumbling really like uninformed yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, um, also, a thing that I heard in the in the first episode that I never noticed before is that Willow says that mentions that Giles is new, but also that he brought a lot of his own books with him. Oh yeah, his like old <laughs> creepy like, yeah, his, his weird watcher books. Um, well, that's the thing. Okay, so we could talk about like because Giles is the librarian, like this library becomes their mm-hmm. base of operations. But as we learn in the pilot, very unsecure. People can yeah. just come in and out, and right, they're not very good about Xander overhears this whole conversation between right. them about vampires, and right off the bat, and he's like, these two people are talking in earnest about killing vampires, and his mm-hmm. reaction is like, these people are crazy, right? Like, what are they talking about? But they're not checking to make sure there's no students in the library. They're just having this conversation out in the open. I think in yeah. later seasons they are keeping weapons in that bookcase. They like, do. Yeah, they do. <laughs> I'm just like, all this stuff would not have flown at my high school, I'm pretty sure. No. It is funny because it looked like most of, definitely not everything, but like the library in Buffy's room seemed like they were using the same sets the whole time. Like that library, that's definitely the same library that they're always in. I'm just kind of surprised because sometimes in pilots it's stuff that's very like, you know, they constructed it to use one time and then everything gets changed. But Right. I think that set is, maybe for the pilot they didn't build a library set, but... Um, I think they based it off of that one. Like, I think that's the library in that actual high school. Mm, interesting. Yeah. I also read that for a while they used, they were shooting in real, a real graveyard. Oh. <laughs> so like the first couple scenes of the, in this season that have a graveyard, they're like, that's a real LA graveyard. Creepy. Which they're like, Joss was like, it looks really great, but also we had to film in graveyards in the middle of the night. <laughs> so they eventually built their own set. With no dead bodies. <laughs> With no dead bodies. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so <sighs> that's, like, the characters that we meet. Um, mm-hmm. Well, then there's the, you know, our villain characters. We've got, oh, like, right. the master Luke. and Luke and Darla. His right-hand man, yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious. So, um, like, the show as a whole, like, I think, like, season one, you know, these are kind of the first villains that we see. Um, would you say that any of these qualify as your favorite for the whole show? Yeah, like villains no. or monsters, like, no, yeah. No, but I did definitely, again, appreciate these vampires as opposed to the ones that were in the movie just being, like, more, much more sinister. And even though, like, the whole show, the setup of the show is just, just like, cheesy and campy enough that they, you could kind of, like, they're not super scary, but they're at least playing it pretty sincerely, you know? I don't know. Plus, they right off the bat to it, they kind of leave the door open for these vampires all to be complicated um, like individuals on their own, right? Like Darla is clearly has such a per- different personality than Luke. Um, right. I almost I said I like, like they complicated up. humans, but they're not I, human. I almost said that too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I enjoy it. I enjoy the master 
he's just not my favorite because he kind of is the most by the book. Well, and he's definitely just out of the way for most of it because he is mm-hmm. trapped underground. So everything happening is around him yeah. and, you know, he's maybe pulling the strings, but mm-hmm. he's not interacting with any of the characters. You know, they're just interacting with these minions. Um, and this whole thing where, you know, they're luring all these, well, not they're not luring people to the bronze. You know, people mm-hmm. are just showing up at the bronze. Going to the bronze. <laughs> yeah. Despite but, its insane, probably death rate. <laughs> but they show up at the bronze and, mm-hmm. you know, they go through this whole charade and I think they end up killing a few people Mm-hmm. before Buffy and the gang get there. But, I mean, Luke, like, perfect, like, typical villain has to make his speeches. Right, yeah. Which, I mean, if you just shut up and don't talk, you get way Could more stuff done. killed a lot more people, yeah. yeah. Um, Buffy shows up and they fight, but, like, I mean, he's very preachy. Like He is. Well, I mean, and they really are quite Catholic, <laughs> he and the master. <laughs> At least they read very much, like, there's, like, he gets anointed, that feels very, like, much like a church sacrament. Um, the well, master has to, like, give him special powers so that the harvest will work. Um, and when he and, and Buffy in general, are in that crypt and he's kind mm-hmm. of preaching at her and he goes, exactly. amen. He amen. Like, yeah. That's, yeah, it's crazy, especially considering the, the master makes that comment about being trapped in a house of worship for 60 mm-hmm. years. Like, mm-hmm. it's a horrible experience. But, yeah, he mm-hmm. seems pretty Catholic. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they're just really into ritual. Exactly. I mean, I think really that was just, those must have been the rituals that all writers had in their minds. So yeah. <laughs> I don't know that it really means much other than that they're trying to make them look ritualistic and dated. Um, well, and you know speaking what I of realized... kind of religious things, I had this note, oh. sorry, that yeah. um, like when Giles is explaining to them about the truth of the history of the world about mm-hmm. vampires, like, oh, that's funny. was he assuming they're all like creationists? Because he's like, this world oh, did not way. begin as a paradise. <laughs> like, I'm like, I don't think that anyone with a scientific background would agree with that phrase. That's like, funny. No, it started with, like, volcanoes and dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah. Although my thought was that the way he explains it is very H.P. Lovecraft. Like, it, all of the elder creatures were horrible, horrible monsters that now have been, like, banished to the depths of the earth. That's very, it's very Cthulhu. Yeah. And the like. Oh, we um, forgot. As yeah. We forgot a character. We, forgot, we did. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> Angel. Yeah. Oops. Uh, he's not important or anything. No, no. Minor character. He doesn't minor, go on to minor. have his own show or anything. Nope. Um, yeah. I also liked his introduction a lot in that, you know, it's just once again, they do the thing where they set up your expectations and it's the opposite. Buffy's walking down the street, going to the bronze, and there she clearly is being followed by somebody. Um, and then it turns out to be Angel, who is not, in fact trying to kill her. You know, he's trying to offer her advice and let her know what he knows, give her some cryptic warnings. Right, like, it's kind of the flip side of, like, the Darla situation, Mm -hmm. where you have this weak-looking girl who then turns out to be the monster, and -hmm. then later Buffy's being followed by what you assume is probably a vampire. Someone skulking. Yeah, and turns (laughs) out to be, you know, someone, well, fairly friendly. Um, Mm -hmm. Interesting to me, though, he comes across as an entirely different character in this He does, yeah. Like, he's scared, and he's not Mm -hmm. really willing to engage with anything, but he gives her her necklace. Right. Which ends up saving her from Luke. Mm -hmm. From Luke later. you know, later in the show, they kind of go back and revisit, um, well, I don't don't know if it's this show or if they do it in Angel, but they go back and kind of revisit Angel before the events Mm -hmm. of Buffy, and... I think they do it in both. This tracks a little bit with who he was at that time. Like, he was sort of recovering, I guess, from his... From his curse. Yeah, Yeah. which we don't know about yet, but... (laughs) But it is funny because he definitely says 
something about how he's not going to bite her, implying that he is not a vampire. But <laughs> he's if you, trying to but, deceive but her, I think. But that's interesting, because it has double meaning. Like, he, mm-hmm. she takes it to mean he's not a vampire, but right. what he is really saying is, Means. I don't bite. Like, right. But he didn't say that he couldn't. Yeah. Um, so him uh, The other thing is, that I really liked about that scene <laughs> is when, so Buffy, like, knows she's being followed, so she walks into an alley, basically, to corner him, and then he walks in the alley, and then the, the um camera pans up and you see that she's doing this really cool handstand (laughs) on some sort of pole (laughs) like hiding from him that was how she hid out of view is that she's like literally doing a handstand on like above him yeah and it looked very cool so i will say about this pilot they're really trying to introduce you to buffy's powers like her strength Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. um so you see this handstand she like rips the gym door off right although later she needs xander's help to close the door i don't know well Maybe against, like, all the vampires. Yeah, that's what I said, um, but... And she jumps over the fence? Yeah. That she can't really do again later. No, I mean, that's really crazy. She's, like, leaping a building feet. in a single yeah. bound, essentially. Yeah. But it is cool. I do think that, again, I enjoyed those scenes, even though I think the fight choreography is definitely not up to snuff to where it gets in later seasons. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, so Angel's first introduction brings us to a really important point that I want to bring up. Okay. Um, his velvet jacket. Oh, see, I thought it was satin. Whatever it was. Right. Velvet makes sense. I don't know what he's wearing. And yeah, and he's got a very long white collar underneath it. It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Which makes oh, me think Angel. that we should talk about the fashion of this. Okay. Because it's 1997, so mm-hmm. there are some questionable choices People happening are here. choices, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I do, is it terrible if I think that, and I, I, I wonder if I will feel this way throughout the whole show, uh, that Cordelia totally looks fine to me. Um, She's wearing we can, things that are very dated, but I love him. I love we can agree great. to disagree okay. on that. I would, I wish Her I chartreuse pants? Fine. Love them. <laughs> she probably got them at 579 or uh, Contempo Casuals. Just kidding. She probably shops at better places than that. Uh, I, mean, I don't know. I like her whole... Her whole mini skirt, crop top thing. She looks great in all the bronze scenes. Oh, she, she looks, looks great. It's just like, I'm not going to say, like, I want to go out and buy her outfits. Okay. Well, yes. I mean, I will say that it's really interesting. So, like, Buffy has a lot of cute outfits, too, I think. Mm-hmm. But the one thing I noticed, like, the skirts are really short. They are very, very short. Like, does their school not have a dress code? You know, but that's, that's also, like, Rachel was always wearing skirts like that in the early seasons of Friends, too. Yeah, but Rachel really wasn't in was. high school. No, I know. Uh, yeah, clearly they didn't have a dress code. Because Cordelia's also wearing crop tops all the time. Yeah. We weren't allowed to do that I mean, in my high school. there's never a dress code on TV. That's yeah, exactly. Um, um, yeah, poor Willow. Uh, gets her, like, smock or whatever. Her she's smock wearing. dress, yeah. And her overalls actually looked okay to me compared to some other stuff that they're going to put her in later. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, Willow <laughs> gets the brunt of the fashion disasters yeah. on this show. Because um, they're trying so hard to make her look dorky. Yeah. It's like, ugh, this is just a weird. Buffy doesn't look that bad. This is like before Buffy really got into leather, so. Mm -hmm. um. (laughs) (laughs) I think I like all of the fashion. Oh no, this is just gonna be a segment where I talk about how I wanna dress like it's the 90s. (laughs) Well, you know, what I was gonna say, a lot of those outfits I think you could probably go to Madewell and buy. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Some flannel, some short skirts. Like a crop sweater and some Mm -hmm. short button up Mm -hmm. denim shirt or denim skirt. Yeah, you could definitely find those things will do yeah um i also appreciate that harmony is here right from the beginning 
yeah, Cordelia's so, friend. A lot of the casting just stays. Well, like, in one. interesting thing that I, I read was that um, Mercedes McNabb, who plays Harmony, mm-hmm. who's Cordelia's blonde friend in the computer lab, mm-hmm. um, and Julie Benz, who's Darla. Yeah. Well, and Charisma Carpenter, but they all yeah. auditioned for Buffy as well. Right. And so... And that Buffy... Sarah Michelle Gellar auditioned for Cordelia. Right. And so Joss Whedon, you know, kind of known for finding actors and sticking with them. Mm-hmm. So kind of exhibiting that already in the pilot of, you know, you guys right. didn't work out for Buffy, but here's some other characters we can play. And both go on to have long, um, long longer runs and arcs yeah. on both Buffy and Angel. Yeah. Um, Harmony takes a very <laughs> interesting character turn from where she, she is does. right now. Um, I love Harmony, though. Yeah, in the high school years, she's sort of just the background person who pops up every now and then. But. Yeah. Um, my other favorite thing is that this is still in that brief window of time when people were calling the internet the net oh. <laughs> instead of, like, the web or the internet. Uh, they definitely say that. It's like, oh, that was like, I think that must have only been for, like, two years that people used that. And this just happened to fall in it. It just makes it sound so weird. You're like, what are you talking about, Willow? Well, and Willow's already very adept at using the net to hack into yeah. things. <laughs> to accidentally hack all the city codes. Yeah. That's a, yeah. That was actually another funny thing. Is that just a very convenient character knowledge is that they're like, how are the vampires getting around? And Buffy's like, oh, they use the sewers and go underground. And Xander's like, oh, yeah, all the electrical tunnels that run under town. I'm like, why do you know that, Xander? <laughs> I mean, there's always that convenient character that's mm-hmm. really good at hacking things, and and hacking in Hollywood is like magic, essentially. Right. Um, yeah, but I mean, you just have to know some stuff, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, like so. I guess that's all the. F- I mean, the fashion in this episode is kind of. It is a little muted. Yeah, it's not. It's like, not as wild as it will get. I mean, I don't know if it ever gets wild. I mean, Willow has... Well, okay. I have some yeah. outfits in mind. <laughs> Let me wait till we get to, like, season six. Let yeah. me talk about... Oh, I was thinking earlier, but still, yeah. Yeah. Um. Um. So what else do you want to talk about? Like, oh, yeah, what else? you know what I want to talk about? I want to talk about the dead body in the locker. Oh, yeah. And oh, those, yes. those girls that find mm-hmm. the... Um, find the body but they're talking about this new girl Buffy and one of them says what kind of name is Buffy mm-hmm. and then her friend goes hey Aphrodisia so her <laughs> name is Aphrodisia they mention another friend uh, named Blue like Blue. like I heard from Blue that this is the new girl That's kind of and then the girl whose locker the body calls out of her name is Aura so what are these girls talking about they have crazy <laughs> names too I mean the names on the show are like a little bit out there. They like are, yeah. Even Willow, Willow and Xander are yeah. pretty, yeah, not common. I think Xander is short for Alexander, and that's... It is, but I had never heard it until we watched this show. Okay, I, I had heard that before, but, um, like, Willow... I mean, Angel. Angel. <laughs> I guess Angel's not that... That is a name, but... I mean, they're all names. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, Jesse has the most normal name. <sighs> yeah. Maybe that's why he's doomed to die. Yeah, he would fit. <laughs> um... Yeah. I, uh, the, you know, I kind of want to, I wanted to drop this in when we were saying it before, but I didn't introduce it. I did also watch the unaired pilot last night. There is a, like, there's like a 30 minute long unaired pilot that exists. It's very similar, but still has some, some very stark differences. 
Um, so I knew that that existed. I did not know that you could watch it. I am yeah. shocked that you actually found it and it, watched you it. You know, it, was not, it wasn't hard to find. I'll send you a link later. Um, it's just on YouTube somewhere. It's really low quality, obviously, but um, yeah, it was pretty funny. They had somebody different cast as Willow, which is the biggest difference, um, and it really did not work. Um, I mean, that girl is lovely, but she just didn't... She just, like totally fades into the background like she can't hold her own against everything else that's going on and she also is just kind of sad instead of the way that willow is like coping with her sadness by still being really positive and earnest um yeah it was definitely they were like they knew that it didn't work um but they also had cast Stephen tobolowski as the principal which was great um he was in he's like again he's one of those actors who's just like he's famous and or has been in the background of everything but um notably he's the professor in the episode of community when um abed takes the class on who's the boss right (laughs) i have to ask you jenny are you at a playground no i know i know (laughs) i'm just uh in my apartment but there are some children in the hallway oh the joys of uh saturday morning yeah yeah i was worried about that but What are you going to do? Kids will be kids. You should show them Buffy. They'll get really quiet. (laughs) (laughs) They will. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so the other really funny thing about the pilot is that Jonathan is in it. Yes. Jonathan. So he originally auditioned for Xander. Oh my God. He would have been a better Xander. No. No. Yeah. Hush. Mm -hmm. He was a great Jonathan. (laughs) Um, He is a great Jonathan. But it's funny because in the under pilot, he's just a guy. She's just standing in line next to him um, on her way into the bronze. And he just says... Like, he, he, he's nondescript. He's just a person in line. Like, he's not a nerd, and he's not, like, a cool guy. He's just there. But, I, it's, again, because the quality is so low, I couldn't... I was like, that definitely sounds like him, but I can't totally tell. Uh, but it's him, because I looked it up. And in case anyone hasn't seen the rest of the show, Jonathan is a character that shows up down the line. Mm-hmm. But he's played by Danny Strong. Yeah. Who has gone who has on gone to on. <laughs> do many notable things, uh, most recently... Uh, creating Empire. He created Empire? I think he co-created or co- he definitely writes on it. I think he's, he's a writer, yeah. Oh, I thought he was a co-creator, but I didn't know. That might be wrong. I hadn't heard that. He wrote okay. um he won like an Emmy, I think, for Game he Change. Did. He did, yeah. Yeah. He's also he Doyle too, on Game of Thrones. So Yes. Yeah. Um, he's great. He is wonderful. Um Yeah, anyway. Yeah, so I made some notes about some of the pop culture references because (laughs) they are not like Gilmore level here, but a little bit random and out of left field. Like we already talked about John Tesh Mm -hmm. in um, Cordelia's little coolness test. Mm -hmm. But then, so when Buffy is um, like trying on outfits before she's going to the bronze, Mm -hmm. she's like, hi, I look like an enormous slut. And then Mm -hmm. the next one, she's like, hi, would you like a copy of The Watchtower? And I didn't know what that was so I had to look it up and apparently it's like a Jehovah's Witness magazine oh okay I just assumed some sort of religious cult yeah yeah so I guess it's what people bring with them to give out when they're knocking on your door asking if you've been saved so um that was interesting and then my favorite though is when Giles is teaching her how to pick a vampire out of the crowd Uh and she of course just ignores all of his lessons and finds the person in the most dated outfit yeah but later she's fighting him and she's like what's with the outfit like get with the now I love that Mm -hmm. and she says you look like DeBarge (laughs) and I think I had looked this up before but I was very unclear what DeBarge was Mm -hmm. (laughs) and 
Apparently, it's like an R&B, like soul pop uh, music group in the 70s mm-hmm. and 80s. Ah, so, okay. But that they very sense. much were into like pushed up sleeves and mm-hmm. shiny fabrics. And yeah. I guess that vampire looked like them. Yeah. So. Um, that's great. Yeah. I, Some of this I stuff, do... I mean, like these, these early ni- or like mid-90s episodes, like, you know, they're old enough that these references are going way over my head. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, you know, another thing that I know, this isn't related to anything you were just saying, but when she's packing, when Buffy's packing up to go, she like has to return home. She accidentally gets grounded, but she does pull out her weapons trunk. Mm -hmm. It looked like she also had like Eucharist wafers in there. Yes, I noticed that. Crosses and stakes, which are all things that make sense, but she also just had some wafers. I was like, "What are you gonna do with those? They're so flimsy." Like, is she going to trick a vampire into eating them? Like, how does that work? Or, you know, maybe that's like her snack while she's like on patrol or something. It's weird. Yeah, I also don't think you really. They don't give out the blessed ones the way you can get holy water. Like, they don't just like ah yes, here are all your, uh, your transformed wafers to take them home. I don't think that's a thing. I don't know where she got those. I have no idea what she was planning to do with them. I did notice that, and I was kind of just assuming maybe it came with the holy water. Yeah, maybe, but I don't know. No, it's very easy to get holy water. I don't think, it's not so easy to get blessed uh, Eucharist. Maybe they weren't blessed. Like, maybe she just wanted but then some they'd be, crackers. then they'd be useless, and they're not, they're not tasty at all. You should get some saltines if that's what you want. No. Um, oh, the other thing, I mean, I, I feel like I should warn you in advance that I'm worried my, I'm going to be pretty rough on Xander as we go through this rewatch because he just really, he hasn't aged very well for me, um, in terms of like, as a character and even right off the bat in this episode, like I could find ways to make excuses for it, but his instinct right away is to be like, you can't do this by yourself. You need me to go there with you. And like, at this point, he doesn't even have the years of experience of fighting alongside Buffy to kind of be like, Hey, I should be included. It's like, he's literally just another high school sophomore who didn't know vampires existed that, you know, a day ago. And he's like, no, 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 you need my help to go beat this big, bad vampire. It's just very frustrating because, like, Willow is totally like, this is scary, and I'm going to stay in the research in the library and do research, but Xander's like, ah, I can save the day. Like, Xander, you fell off your skateboard in the first scene. What well, are you going contri- to contribute to this? And that's perpetually Xander's thing is he, unlike any other character on the show, never really mm-hmm. evolves to contribute anything um, super helpful and supernatural mm-hmm. to this whole process. And so his defining characteristic is he's just always willing to help. But yeah, I would agree that it's true. It comes across he, as very, yeah. um, it's like, uh, I don't want to say quite what, misogynistic, but like, it's no, definitely but like it very, like bit, he has yeah. the attitude of like, you are a girl, he's you need help. Down but, to her, yeah. but I and think it's part of the thing. I, no, she doesn't, but she's, I think she's just more like this guy's going to get himself killed. Um, right. But I, one thing in this, these two episodes that you notice about Xander is he has a really hard time, like, getting with the program. Like, yeah. you yeah. know, he sees that Buffy he has these powers them. and yeah. can fight these vampires, but yet he still doesn't recognize that that means that he can take a step back and not be, like, the hero mm-hmm. or try to be. But then also, like, they tell him, like, 15 times that Jesse is dead and Jesse is not a person. Right. And, and even up until yeah. the very end, Xander's like... There's still part of you there's in there, man. You, yeah. And like, there's like, they've all told him, no, there's not. Like, this is not how it works. Mm-hmm. And I love that he clearly was like never going to stake his friend. No. But that someone accidentally bumps into yeah. Jesse and he hits the stake. And so Xander, yeah. like, 
stakes his friend, friend. but like that's what needed to happen. But Xander was never going to like get there because in his mind he was trying to find Jesse in there somewhere. Right. Yeah. I just he he gets off on a on a weird foot. He also said something early on, or not early, towards the end of maybe the second episode where he makes a comment about like, oh, I get it all vampires are bad. And I was like, oh, that's some foreshadowing about Xander is never going to be able to turn this opinion around. No, he's Um, a very black and white. He's very black and white. Yeah. I mean, maybe there's something to be said for them kind of setting that up in that his best, you know, he learns this hard lesson through his best friend that like, once you're a vampire, a vampire and, and therefore not capable, like not deserving of forgiveness of any kind. But I also think I mostly don't think they did that on purpose. Um, well, also, he's not going to overturn that particular opinion for a romantic rival. So Right, fair enough. I mean, that's a big part of it, I think. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, Xander. Yeah, I, I just wish he had come acro- about it in a different way. Like, he could have said, oh, it's my best friend. I need to do anything I can to help him. Like, that would have been like, okay, I see where you're coming from. But instead, it's, it's much more like he's talking down to her. Like, you need help. You can't do it alone. Um, oh, that reminds me of another point that I thought of, though. Um, again, this is a thing that I've, I feel like looking back on it, it seems really clean that they kind of set it up this way. That Ultimately, the thing that, you know, Buffy at the beginning of this episode doesn't want anything to do with being a slayer. She doesn't want to get sucked back into this world. Um, she clearly has more experience um, in the pilot than she has at the end of the movie. So, like, again, they're kind of changing that storyline. It seems like she's fought, fought many vampires, not just kind of had one or two experiences. Um, but... What I like is that it's not until her new friends get kidnapped that she has to accept, you know, this role and this burden that she has. But I feel like, again, that kind of becomes the theme in the series is that Buffy is singular because she has friends and that all of that helps her become probably the best slayer that there ever was. But I think that, again, it just it's totally in line. The thing that makes her change her mind is the fact that her friend has been kidnapped and now she realizes she has to. Like, because she cares about people, she's going to do these things that she is able to do and that she has to do. Right, like she's convinced herself. But no amount of lore is going to convince her. No, because she's convinced herself that the lore doesn't matter and she can, you know, live her own life of a normal Mm -hmm. teenager. But then, you know, moving to this town and you're right, like meeting people that she starts to care about, like she kind of realizes, no, you can't because part of being the Slayer isn't, it's not just the lore and the you Mm -hmm. must kill the vampires, it's you have to save the people. So, yeah, yeah, she kind of has a wake-up call. She also makes a reference to the fact that you know, being a slayer in LA caused her to lose all of her friends. And I think this is again, kind of getting her set up where it's going to be the opposite. That's how she makes these two friends is that they right. go through this kind of horrific experience together. And then obviously like you can't, it's like in Harry Potter when they slay the troll together, like you can't get out of that and not be friends. Like, no, um, I do love her story that she's telling Xander in the tunnel about the football player and the exacto knife. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the sort of stuff to it too, where it's like, oh, you are already pretty capable at this point. I think I, again, yeah. always thought she hadn't really, she had literally just learned she was a slayer, had that one experience burning down the gym and then escaped here. But like, clearly she's done, done a lot more than that. Yeah. She is pretty capable already. I mean, I don't know. They never, they never really make it clear, like how long between, um, her burning down the gym and starting mm-hmm. at the new school, like how much time has really passed. Mm-hmm. Um, I would assume not that much because, mm-hmm. like, she can't be out of school for that long. Right. Um, and it's not the first day of school or anything. No, it's like, you know, the middle of the year. Spring yeah. semester, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's interesting. I mean, there is a lot that gets set up here for later 
that seems intentional and a lot that just seems like happy accident. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I wonder, you know, what was intentional and what wasn't like how much of Xander's actions and, mm-hmm. um, you know, what happens to him in the pilot, like informs stuff later, or if, you know, maybe they just had a really good handle on like, uh, continuity and, you know, what had yeah. happened and just remember, oh, we can use this down the road right. or maybe there was a plan. I don't know. It's, yeah, it's hard interesting. To say. Uh, um, except for Jesse, who they immediately forget about. <laughs> provides basically. I mean, no even motivation. by the end of the episode, they're all really upbeat and like yeah, just exactly. lost Your a friend. friend just like, died. well, okay, so that's that's one thing I want to point out is the end of this episode is so funny to me because I mean, and this this is a thing that goes on throughout the show where you know people are just very willing to write off what they see as some mm-hmm. trick of the light or like you know. PCP is a common thing that they're blaming this on. But, like, these people at the bronze saw these monsters essentially, like, eat people. Mm -hmm. And yet, by the end, like, Cordelia is talking to someone else and, like, talking about, like, gang members. And she's like, and Buffy, like, knew them. Mm -hmm. And, like, so in her mind, she's already downgraded this to, like, rival gangs Mm -hmm. who were somehow feeding on people. But I guess she conveniently forgot about that part. Mm -hmm. And then... And then this girl's like, oh, I should have been there. And Cordelia's like, yeah, you really should have been there. Like, <laughs> she's telling her that she should have been at, like, like this massacre, which right. is crazy. But it's, like, that's the thing. It's, like, that's part of what makes this show special is, like, that kind of helps to ground this in, like, a reality of, like, mm-hmm. in this particular episode, like, this event that happened was, like, not just some crazy fight at, like, a football game or, like, rival gang members. It was, like, a pack of vampires coming to, like, feed on a bunch of humans. But at the end of it, like, the way that would work in, like, a high school social circle is, like, <laughs> if you miss this big thing, like, you would be right. like, man, I wish I was there. Like, yeah, yeah. like you're not thinking about, like, <laughs> totally. that could have put your life in danger. You're thinking, oh, I missed out on this big story that everyone's talking about. Yeah. And no, it was really funny because I was watching these episodes with other people and right as Cordelia is explaining what, what had happened the night before, they were like, man, why does anyone go back to the bronze? Like knowing that these things are always happening there. And then like immediately she goes into her explanation of you had to be there. You should have been there. And I was like, no, okay. I guess that's why everybody keeps going there. Well, and, and then the other thing, you know, like Buffy and her friends, like they're all pretty upbeat at the end. Like, mm-hmm. you know, cause they, they fought the master or the mm-hmm. master's minions and they won, but mm-hmm. so they averted apocalypse, but like Giles is telling them there's way more to come. I mean, this is kind of where they're setting up this idea of like, there's going to be like a monster of the week of like, right, it's not just yeah. vampires. It's like he, demons is the, and the one sort of and, like, sloppy line of exposition is Giles being like, it's not just vampires. There's also werewolves, uh, yeah. demons, these, that. And it's like, okay, I get it. Show there's going to be things besides vampires, but they're very, uh, you know, they're very upbeat in the face of all of this, and, they are, which is yeah. good. I mean, obviously it would be super depressing if they weren't, but mm-hmm. it's just, bizarre to me that they're so I mean I guess they just have to go about their high school days and yeah try to I mean I think that becomes a theme too you know you gotta you can't stop living uh, Buffy gave Willow that very touching speech in the bronze about how life is short her very original <laughs> advice of carpe diem yeah it, it's true but uh she also said this is a quote that I wrote down because it was just Willow just nailed it where Buffy says something about like you know you could you could be dead tomorrow and Willow goes that's nice <laughs> Because she's just like, oh, thanks. You made me feel so much better. Like, it does oh, yeah. lead to her following a vampire out of the club, but whatever. Yes. And unintentionally bad advice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think these are really great kickoff episodes, despite, again, some of the production is a little bit clunky. You know, the vampire effects are haven't been totally 
smoothed out. I mean, they never are perfect, but I think they're particularly like uh, lo-fi in this one. I mean, I think it's just like typical pilot like mm-hmm. stuff where like you haven't really worked out the mechanics of what you want to do. Um, but like the dusting looks okay. The, the dusting, dusting is, didn't look that bad. It's way more convenient than them piling up dead bodies. <laughs> I will say when she kills Luke, that's one of my favorite um, slays, I suppose you yeah. could call them, because she, she just tricks him in this way that shouldn't be possible, but like he's so totally. caught up in the moment that yeah. he just like forgets that it's like 9 p.m. And right. she can she, somehow trick him that the sun is coming up. Yeah. He starts, yeah, no, that is a great scene. Well, and he's like, he's like, er, like, he's like acting like he's getting like hit by sunlight, but he's clearly not. So like, is he like screaming in anticipation of the pain? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Um, that, that was always interesting to me, but, um, yeah. so do you have anything else about the episodes? Like, I think we pretty much covered, um, mm, the major yeah. stuff here. No, I agree. Yeah. Um, I do want to get back into our little fight real quick about um, oh. favorite seasons uh-huh. because like we could just talk about like we're going to be going so we're going to be going into like the rest of the show so like obviously we both watched it and mm-hmm. FYI here we're going to be we're not going to shy away from spoilers because no. they're 20 years old at this point so yeah. and um, I don't think any of them will make it it doesn't no it's the show more, is just as effective on me now knowing everything that happens so right it's more about like how you get to these plot points than versus like the actual plot points are less important um but yeah so uh, I guess the most important question well we'll save that one for the end but um I'm just curious like so what is your favorite season because we started arguing about this a little bit it's three okay I thought that was obvious I thought that was everybody's favorite season well it's definitely really good but I I have a hard time choosing a favorite season because Mm. every time I go through and watch I feel like different seasons hit me very differently that's true like, but I used to hate the sixth season, but now I really love it. That's fair, but it's still... You'll see when we go through it. You'll... We're going to go back to this episode when we get to the very end, and you're going to say, Ginny, you were right. Season three is the best season. <laughs> it's not I, that there aren't other good moments, and it's not that those other seasons haven't all come to me in different ways. Like I said, I mean, I used to hate season one, and now I think it really works for the most part. Um, we're going to... We'll get to some episodes that don't maybe work that well, but in general, like, it's, it's okay. But I think the whole arc of season three is the best. Um, it's the one where they're seniors in high school, so the whole thing dovetails with their graduation, and it just really, really works, I think, as a concept. Like, there's not a bad... There's almost no bad episodes in that whole season, which is, like, this was before everybody started doing, like, 13, you know, 13-episode seasons. It was, like, 22 episodes, and they're great. Um, and it's just really, like, the emotions are just really perfect. I think everything else has moments where it stumbles, but I think three really works the best. Okay, I'm going to hold off on declaring a favorite. It also point. has most of my favorite episodes in it, um, because all of the ones at the end. That's my favorite season finale, the one, graduation day, uh, the prom is one of the best things that ever happened. So, like, uh, oh all of those are things that, like, I just, I really love them. There are, you know, you're convincing me a little bit, because, like, you're right in that a lot of my favorite episodes do happen in that season. You have the whole arc with Faith that is just amazing, yeah. and the mayor, and all of mm-hmm. that. The mayor is the best villain, all of it. Everything is perfect in that season. Again, and it's not that the other seasons don't have good moments. I just think that that one on the whole, it's also the most, you know, because in later seasons after that, they graduate and they leave. And I think that they eventually find ways to work with that that are really interesting. And again, the older that you are when you go back and watch the show, maybe it's it's more easy now as an adult to relate to these seasons when they're trying to become adults and, like, 
that is very effective. But I still think, I also think them being in high school is the original conceit of the show. And that's, again, kind of why that one just ends up working the best. Because it's really, like, this is the story I was trying to tell. It was demons being all metaphors for everything you deal with in high school. And it just, like, and then it ends. You know, it's just very clean. Okay. I'm willing to be convinced when we get to season three. Okay. Um, what's your favorite episode? It's a tough uh, one. It's a tough that one. That is a tough one. Yeah. I don't know if I have one favorite. I, I mean, it's, like... all the, it's all the obvious ones. It's Once More Worth Feeling, the musical episode, Hush, the one where they don't talk. But then I think, I think Graduation Day is maybe... The finale, I mean, it's like, I can't talk about it too much now because we'll get there eventually, but like, I never watch that, the final scenes, and I'm not just like completely caught up in everything that's happening. Like, the score is really good, and like, oh, this, ugh, I love that one. So those three. I'll Probably that. every single finale makes me cry in some way, well, so yes. like, <laughs> we'll get there, but I, I think I have to go with Hush, just because, um, again, like, yeah, love once more with feeling, like, any obvious one that you could pick out, like, mm-hmm. is probably gonna fall under a favorite, but mm-hmm. I just love, like, to me, Hush is so clever, like, that there's yeah, this entire episode that is dialogue-free, and that you still have this amazing story that gets told, and it's funny, and mm-hmm. the villains are terrifying, and it's just, it's great. So mm-hmm. I cannot wait till we get to that one and we talk yes, about same. it. And um, one's more with feeling. I think that one has the, all the same things of like, it's, this, it's a cool gimmick and it's a great episode to stand that works on its own as a standalone, but it's also such an important episode, like in the span of the show in terms of storytelling that I think that's where I always end up left really impressed because like you could watch it on its own and it totally makes sense or in context, like so many important character reveals and like plot things happen. Yeah. I mean, that's what's special. Like, you're not... I mean, that's one of the great things about the show is, like, you know, these gimmicky-sounding episodes, they're not wasted on Mm -hmm. the gimmick. Like, they're they're there for a reason, and they advance the plot in, like, in really interesting ways. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, these different scenarios, like, not being able to talk or having to only talk through song, like, the characters are moving through things and exposing things that they otherwise wouldn't normally do, but, like... Mm-hmm. It kind of gives you like a different avenue to go down. It's oh, so clever. Yeah. So um, clever. Okay. So, but speaking we of the villains in Hush, though, I do want to ask you, what's your favorite oh, monster? My favorite monster. Well, I mean, you set me up, but you're totally right. My favorite monster is definitely the gentleman in Hush. They're, they're just perfectly creepy and like so. They're hilarious, but they're awful and they're scary. Like they just nail it. They totally nail it. I can tell you the worst though. Like okay. the one that I, I think, think is I the worst you. monster. Oh, okay. And it's a season seven villain. Yep. So it takes us a while to get there. But oh, good God, I'm getting chills just thinking I, about I this totally thing. I totally know what you're going to say. I was going to bring it up in one second if you didn't. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, the skin monster. The skin demon. Oh, oh with his clicky little claws. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. You hate that. Oh, God. Oh, I'm going to text messages of clicks now. Yeah. I think we've already covered the best villain, obviously. Yeah, the, the best villain is the mayor for sure. Season three. Yeah. Um, so we should, you're right, we should wrap up, but I do want to ask you the okay. very important question the very before important. we go. Mm-hmm. Are you Team Angel or Team Spike? Team I know you're not Spike. Team Riley. I just assume everyone's no, not Team no one's Riley. Team, Riley. <laughs> uh, team Spike forever. Uh, and you're wrong. So you're wrong. Team Angel. Actually, yes. honestly, I'm like Team Buffy. Like, I think. That's fair. Having I'm Team Willow you know, and Buffy and yeah. her friends or friendships. But I do love Spike. But if I, I have to choose to be between Angel or Spike, I'm just going to say Team Angel. I mean, here he is at the very beginning and... Brooding know, as hard as he possibly can, yeah. Well, yes, there's that. Um, but, oh man, there's 
their story. Oh, we're going to get into it. <laughs> Maybe eventually talk about my the worst, most heartbreaking episode yes. ever for Angel. Well, their most heartbreaking episode does not happen on Buffy, so... Oh, you're right. I know which one. Yeah. So we might get to that. We might not. But uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Team Angel and you can be Team Spike and we'll have a lovely rivalry throughout Mm -hmm. this. So. All right. Um, Yeah. So that was episodes one and two. And like we said, we're going to do the rest of the season uh, two episodes at a time. Mm -hmm. So next week will be episodes three and four. Yes, which are, I believe, The Witch, Witch? I think, is three. Which is one of my least favorite episodes of the show. It's, I think one thing about that show, that episode is, and we'll talk about it, but like, really that show has suffered about production values. Right, okay. It's just, yeah. And then Teacher's Pet, oh boy. Oh, that's so going to be some of the ones that maybe don't work so well in season one. But I'm excited to watch them. Interesting twofer coming up. Talk about them. Okay. Um, Okay. Well, I'll talk to you next week. So that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cool. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Once More with Commentary is produced by me, Allie. And me, Ginny. Our theme music is from the album Rockingham by Nerf Herder. And our podcast logo is by Ryan Cooney. You can email us at scoobies at oncemorewithcommentary.com with any feedback, questions, comments that you have. And find us on Twitter and Instagram at omwcpodcast. You can also find our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com.